0: There's a story of an old man who, uh, a, who was going to buy a house. It was a small house, but it was one in which he could afford, and it was just down the street from the school. And a lot of the friends told him, you don't want to buy the house there because those kids are going to drive you crazy. But uh, contrary to what all the friends said, he went ahead and he, he bought the house. And everything went fine for a few weeks, but then school started. And some of the kids are coming on home. They're passing by the house and there's a number of, uh, kids. But in particular, there were, uh, uh, about three teenage boys. And as they were coming up or t- real young, young teenagers. And as they were coming on up, they were taking sticks and banging it on the trash cans. Just making an awful ruckus. And they were doing this on a, on a regular basis. And so he, uh, he went on out there and, uh, greeted them one time and he says, you know, boys, he says, seeing you guys walk up and down the streets and banging on the tra- trash cans. I said, boy, it just reminds me of when, when I was a kid. When I was little, you, it's just so great. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I, I want you to do this every single day. I want you to come on down the streets. I want you to bang on every trash can you can as you're coming on by. And if you do, stop by the house here and I'll pay you a dollar. And so they thought this is a pretty good deal. So they, uh next day they banged on every single trash can they could, stopped by the house, and sure enough, he came out to meet them. He says, I sure appreciate you doing that. Here's a dollar. And this went on for about a week and then uh, afterwards he, he came on out to him and says, you know guys, he said the, the recession's kind of hit me kind of hard and uh, I'm not going to be able to pay you a dollar today, but I'll pay you 50 cents. So they, he paid them 50 cents and, and the next day they came on back and they did it again. That went on for about a week and, and then he uh, came out to greet them and he says, you know what guys, my social security check didn't come in this week and uh, I won't be able to pay you 50 cents, but I'll pay you a quarter. And the little boys all looked at each other and then looked at him and said, you gotta be kidding. You think we're gonna walk up and down the street banging all these trash cans for our mere quarter? No way. It's the last day they ever did it. (laughs) Uh, We can have different ways of approaching things, can't we? There are some good ways and there's some bad ways. How many of you have learned some of the bad ways to react to things? In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, we read of the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is one fruit of the Spirit, but apparently it comes out in a whole lot of different ways. Because the fruit of the Spirit is, not the fruits of the Spirit are. The fruit of the Spirit is. And it comes out in all these different ways. We have all these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. As we started this series, we looked at John's Gospel, 15th chapter, and how Jesus was saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he begins to teach you how we are supposed to be a, a part of the vine. That as we become part of the vine, we should produce fruit. But if the branches don't produce fruit, what happens? You get cut off. But before that happens, doesn't God the Father who is the vine dresser come out and doesn't He prune the branch? Doesn't He try and take the branch and get rid of some of the things that are holding it back and and create it so that it's a... A fruit producing branch. Give it a chance to become a fruit producing branch. But it's apparently imperative that we produce fruit. And sometimes we've been confused as to exactly what fruit is. And sometimes we think, well, if I haven't been getting people saved, then I'm not producing fruit. And if I'm not operating the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or if I'm not prophesying over somebody, or the word of knowledge isn't working in me, I'm not producing fruit. But it's apparently pretty imperative that we know what fruit is. And fruit can be measured. Because if the Father can come up and tell a branch that is bearing fruit and a branch that is not bearing fruit, then we can tell fruit, can't we? Paul, in this particular uh, epistle that he's writing, says the fruit of the Spirit is, and then he lists what it is. These are all the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Can we not see those things? Can we not see kindness and goodness, long-suffering? We can see all these things, can't we? Well, it's important that, that these things come out. That first off, we know I'm supposed to be producing fruit. That secondly, I can tell what I am producing fruit. That the Father's work as the vine dresser is to help me to produce fruit. I don't have to mimic fruit. I don't have to put fake fruit on my branches. Because the real stuff is all that's going to work. Oh, so many times we're trying to get out there and put out the, f- the fake stuff. We don't want to do that. No fake stuff here. We just want to produce fruit. And all we really have to do to produce fruit is become attached to the vine. Now we've tried a whole lot of different things. How many of y'all know for long suffering, we covered that last week, people have tried to do things in the flesh to become long suffering. And as we talked about last week, they have suffered long. <laughs> but suffering long is not long suffering. Long suffering is a long time before wrath. It's a long time before I get so upset that I explode. It's a long time before that comes. And we talked about that last week. If you missed it, it is up on the website. Sermon player, you can go back there and get it. But here we're moving on in here. We've already looked at the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And now it comes to gentleness and self-control. Gentleness and self-control. The word gentleness... Comes from the word Greek word praiotes. It means gentleness, mildness, meekness, and humility. It's translated meekness in the King James Version. How many are more familiar with meekness? And, you know, as we brought, growing up on the on the King James Version. We heard meekness, and and we hear people, you know, being described as meek, and we get all kinds of ideas about what a meek person is. Sometimes we think a meek person is a weak person, and that's not the case. We've got to understand what it is. And so we want to do, th- to do this. this. This particular word depicts the attitude or demeanor of a person who is forbearing, patient, and slow to respond in anger. One who remains in control of himself in the face of insults or injuries. One who remains in control of himself in the face of insults or injuries. How many times have you, as an individual, sat in a place and people have insulted you? What does it do to you on the inside? How many of you want to insult them back? How many of you want to rise up and out of your mouth say other things than that? What does a person of this type do? What does a priotes person do? They don't respond out of that. Let me read this, this part for you again. It depicts the attitude or demeanor of a person who is forbearing, patient, and slow to respond in anger. Kind, kind of sounds a little bit like the long-suffering one, doesn't it? But it is different. One who remains in control of himself in the face of insults or injuries. Now, injurious situations come up and they may normally produce a rash or an angry or outburst of some type. But we're not going to do that because of the fruit of the Spirit, we are not controlled by the feelings that well up on the inside of us. We are controlled by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is Kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, and so forth. This is what we're controlled by. We're not controlled by those other things. We're controlled by this. Now, a fruit... When Jesus taught about branches bearing fruit, do branches bear fruit one day and not the next? Fruit branches continually bear fruit. I'm not fruit-bearing today and not fruit-bearing tomorrow. It becomes part of your nature. But flesh... Mimics, can mimic fruit bearing but if you do that today I look like a fruit bearing person but tomorrow I don't. Because fake fruit shakes off real easy and can get put back on again. But what the, what the Word of God is talking about is our very nature on the inside being changed. And so I become this gentle meek person that when somebody rises up and begins to lash out against me and begins to verbally abuse me, begin to say things against me. That even though my emotions may get stirred up on the inside, I'm not reacting out of the emotions. I'm listening. Father God, what is it I'm supposed to say to this person? How is it that you want me to react to this? What would you like me to do? That's what this person will do. That's what this word is talking about. Praetis. Now this, a taste person is a strong-willed person. They're not a, a weak-willed person. Sometimes we think that a meek person, well, you know, just let what anybody wants to do, go ahead and do it. That's not it. This, can, this is talking to a person who has a strong will, determined will, but they have decided to yield control to a higher authority. They've decided to yield control to a higher authority. And that's what we need to do. Yield control to a higher authority. Now, you can, be, you can have this trait and be a non-christian you can have that trait it'll have limits but you'll have that trait but this is talking about one that comes from the spirit of god when we tap into the spirit of god he is not he is without limits and we can we can be in the midst of this and just continually yield to the holy spirit yield to the word of god yield to what the will of god is in this situation we have learned to submit to a higher authority i want to read to you first peter chapter 3 verse 3 Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. The word there for gentle is our same word here. It's the same word. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. How many of you let a day go by that you do not arrange your hair? and put on nice clothes maybe you don't put gold on every day but maybe you do you know some of you ladies you switch out your earrings and stuff like that I haven't gotten to where I'm switching out my earrings yet <laughs> no I don't wear any of those not gonna those guys out there that wear them that's fine if they want to they can go ahead you won't find them on me I'm not piercing any noses that's the way the Lord of God's leading you go ahead but uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not wearing gold like that. But if you, know, you have your ears pierced, and you know, some of you girls might, might want to put one set in today and then maybe another set in tomorrow. But don't you take some time with that? Don't you figure out, hmm, what earrings will go with what I'm wearing? And how should I wear my hair? See, I wear my hair the same every day. I don't think about how am I going to wear my hair today because my hair is always the same. That's the nice thing about being a guy. Our hair is always the same. We don't change it. How it is today, it'll be tomorrow. My hair has been cut this way for I don't even know how long. I can't even count the number of years it's been cut this way. It is so used to be going this way, it just does it all didn't used to, but just does it automatically. I I like that about my hair. Now some of you ladies, you come in one Sunday and your hair's one way, and you come in another Sunday and it's different. Right. Glory to God, that's good. That's fine. Y'all enjoy that. You know, spend some time with it and 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 do that. That's all all good. I mean it looks nice. You go out there. This verse of Scripture is not saying don't do that. It's not saying that at all. Take care of your hair. Aren't you glad people take care of their hair? Yeah. Haven't you seen people who don't? Aren't you glad people put clothes on today? <laughs> yeah, these are good things to do. And it's not saying that these are bad. It's saying as much as we are conscious of those kind of things and that outward adornment, be conscious of this. This is something that you wear. This is what people see about you. Do they see a person who just reacts emotionally every time somebody says something? Off to them. Now, sometimes we get people that are out there, and this is the flush way of doing it. The peop- How many have, have, have had people say something nasty to you, and you stand there and you smile? But inside you're... You just can't wait to get someplace else where you don't have to smile anymore. And you can just let all that stuff out. Oh, did you hear what they said to me? Oh, did you... Jew- oh, I can't believe that they said... What do we do? Is that the fruit of the Spirit? It's not the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, we behave correctly in front of other people, but that's not what God's asking us to do. What He wants us to do is that when we walk away from there, we're, we we would say the same thing as when we're in front of them. Same thing. Father God, What does He want me to say? And if God says nothing, we say nothing. And if you go away from there, what do you say after that? Nothing. nothing. Just let it go. Because your concern is for them. That's where we have to get to. That's what this word Prayotes is talking about. Now I put this in your outline. A meek person is not a weak person, but one who yields control to a set of principles above his flesh. You yield control to a set of principles above your flesh. Don't yield to the ones that's in your flesh. Anybody can react to what people say. Anybody can do that. It doesn't take a special person that if somebody says something nasty to you to react to it. It doesn't take a special person to do that at all. It doesn't take a special person that if someone's going around saying all kinds of manner of evil about you to say the same thing about them. Don't take anybody anything special. But you yield yourself to a set of principles above your flesh. Principles set out by the Word of God. Principles that are in your heart because you have yielded yourself to the Holy Spirit. And you're producing fruit. Producing fruit. Now, how many, how many of y'all have ever been in a house that has fruit trees? Apple trees, uh, cherry trees, pear trees, whatever the kind of fruit trees you might be able to grow up in this area. Wouldn't it be nice if you grew up in Anna trees? I mean, it always seems like we're going out buying bananas, but can't like grow a banana tree around here as far as I know. But, you know, what about, why is it that people like fruit trees? Because they like the fruit. They like the fruit that's on them. We had a, a house, and it had fruit trees in the back. And um, I wasn't a fan of fruit trees. Now, you can go out in the back, and you can pick the apples, and you can make things out of them. And, you know, that's always good. But the apples would generally not get picked, and they would fall to the ground. And when they fell to the ground, they would kill the grass that's underneath, and they would get mushy, and you'd have to get out there and pick them up. But if you go out there and you pick them up, you know what's inside the apples? Yellow jackets would usually find their way inside there, and so you pick them up, and the yellow jackets would come out, and they'd come get you. <laughs> so you got to be kind of careful about picking up the the, uh, the apples. And sometimes there was enough of them in there that the best way to get them was to stomp on the apple, kill all the yellow jackets inside, and then you could pick it up. Because you could get a whole lot of those yellow jackets inside of one little apple. So why would people go through all that to have a fruit tree? Because the folks like the fruit. We have a neighbor right across the street from us, and they have a fruit tree out in their front uh, front yard, and the apples fall from the tree, and they do nothing with them. They just let them fall. They fall on their driveway, and you can see them on the driveway, and they fall on the on the lawn, and they just let them sit there. But someone, and the neighbor, is not happy about the fruit tree dropping the apples on the ground. And they come over and they pick them up all the time. They're called deer. And every day the deer would come on by and they would eat the apples. We would see the mom. uh, Just this year we saw the mom and the two fawns and she would come out once in a while. The dad, the mom, and the two fawns would come on out. And every day they're out there, sometimes twice a day. And they're just sitting there and Eating the stuff up, they got so comfortable that two of the little fawns one day, they went out on the very edge right near the, near the sidewalk and lay down. They' just retired from eating, <laughs> and they just lay down. I actually took a picture of it, and I was going to put it up on the Facebook thing, but never got that far. It's still on my camera. But maybe eventually we'll pull that picture out and let people see it. but these, these were so used to people driving on by come on by, they get the apples they sit there and eat the apples. The cars would drive by and just totally shocked the deer are mere feet from them just sitting there eating apples. And they would stop right in front of our house. They wouldn't be looking our way. They'd be looking the other way and they'd be seeing the deer and just watching the deer. The deer would look up and they'd see them and they'd go right back to eating the apples. And when the apples are gone so are the deer. We don't see them anymore. Why do people put up with these things being on their on their lawn? I mean, they're dirty. They throw stuff down. Because they want the... You know why people in the world will will put up with you as Christians? Because <laughs> they enjoy the fruit. The fruit of God, folks, is to be enjoyed by all. Even worldly people will enjoy your fruit. And they'll come on around. They'll be asking questions. How do I get to be that way? How is it that this stuff doesn't bother you? How do you get like that? This word prayotes, this is what it's talking about. This is the power... Or control over the flesh. Over what the flesh feels. The flesh feels some stuff. The flesh comes up. You all know your flesh can feel some things, right? Your flesh can get angry. Your flesh can get hurt. Your flesh can get depressed. Your flesh can get disappointed. Your flesh can feel all kinds of things. And we can speak words or have our reactions out of those feelings. But that's not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is here here what, what does God have to say? How many situations did Jesus run into where he was disappointed with the folks? Sometimes he said something, sometimes he didn't. When he did say something, it wasn't a long, long thing. Sometimes he, you know he's in the, the boat, the disciples, and they say, yeah, we're gonna die and Jesus gets up, wakes up, and he comes on up to the top of the, the boat and he says to the storm, peace speak to the storms, speak to the waves, speak to the winds, speak to the waves, and the, the whole thing stopped. And then he turns to the disciples and says, anything else I can do for you? No. What do you say? Where's your, faith? Where's, your faith? Where's your faith? Now, he's not saying that out of his emotions. He's saying that because the Spirit of God says they should have been able to take care of this, talk to him about it. When Jesus came down from the mountain and he took three disciples up in the mountain of transfiguration and nine stayed down below and there was a demon-possessed boy there. And when they came on down, the man said, you know, your disciples tried to fix them. They couldn't fix them. Maybe you can. And Jesus said, sure, bring them on over. No. He said, oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? Bring them to me. There were words that Jesus had a rebuke for folks. But you look at the, the response from the disciples, and in three and a half years, he took these folks from being nothing to where they were turning the world upside down. I think he spoke the right things, but sometimes he just sat on on it. Sometimes he didn't always speak to speak those things. You got to hear what the what the spirit has to say, because the spirit has some good things to say about it. Just like that man with the boys coming on down the street banging the trash cans. How many of you be out there yelling at him? Quit it! Knock it off! Stop making such a ruckus! How many? Of you know he would still be having that going on right now. <laughs> Absolutely. The Spirit of God, folks, has ways for us to change the people that we deal with, change their focus, just like the man with the problem with the little boys. He changed their focus from doing the banging of the trash can because they were rambunctious, energetic little boys, mischievous and such forth. And he changed it so that they were being rewarded with money. And when he got their focus changed in the reward for money, he then pulled the reward and they stopped. Because they forgot why they were doing it in the first place. <laughs> we look back on a story like that and says, Oh man, that's that's so smart. Just it's Spirit of God. The spirit of God has ways for you to take on situations where you're running into people that are frustrating you and through a gentle and meek spirit, change it. Alter it. You can do it. You gotta believe that you can do it, but you can do it. Now, I may not stop my flesh from a wrong feeling. How many all know that doesn't always happen? (laughs) The fruit of the Spirit, folks, is not about stopping your flesh from having the wrong feeling. Because your flesh is your flesh. Understand this. When you got born again, you were reborn in your spirit, not in your flesh. The Word of God says you died to your flesh, but your flesh is still there. Flesh is still as awful as it was before. Flesh is still capable of nasty stuff. It's still there. The fruit of the Spirit is not there to change your flesh. It's there to change you. Get you to, to respond to a soul, or to the, to the Spirit of God. That's what He wants you to do. He wants you to become that. But your flesh will still have some, some things rise up. Don't think just because your flesh has some stuff rising up that you're not producing the fruit of the Spirit. Just don't give into it. Just laugh at the flesh. Oh, flesh! You think I'm going to respond to that? No, no. I'm not giving into that. No. And and just laugh at it. You ever been uh, walking around outside the store, outside some of the stores, or even in a neighborhood? Have you seen some of the parents whose um, kids have them under control? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, these kids, they have their parents wrapped around their finger. They do whatever they say. You know, the parents do. They have their ways of getting the parents to do what they want them to do. Right? I mean, that's the wrong way about it. Isn't it? They made a movie on something about that. I, I don't even know what the movie was about. Something about wag the dog. Something like that. It's supposed to be wag the tail. The tail's supposed to be the part that wags, but it wasn't. <laughs> the tail's wagging the dog. You know, the kids are moving the parents. That's not the way it's supposed to be. The parents are to be in control of the kids, but too many times the parents have given up control to the kids. And too many times Christians have given up control to the flesh. The flesh is not supposed to control you. But it does for some people. And when it does, it's just as backwards as kids controlling their parents or a dog's tail wagging the dog. I mean, that's just crazy. Why would we have it that way? You are a born again, new creation spirit being tied in to the vine and you think your feelings are greater than that you do not have to respond because of your feelings you do not have to respond because of your emotions all you need to do is yield control to the spirit and a gentle and meek spirit will be part of that and people will say all manner of evil about you now the old person they would have just gone out and said all manner of evil about them. But now the new one says, You know what, Father God, what would you have me to say? How would you have me respond to that? What would you have me to do? And just listen. You know, it's a whole lot easier to say nothing and take it back than to say something and take it back. Can you take back Nothing. You didn't say it <laughs> it's easy to say it's easy to take back what you haven't given, right? if you didn't put it out you can you can there's no problem, but once you put it out there, can you get it back? You ever fire off an email you were sorry you sent, you know you send that off that email to one person and that person can send it on to somebody else and they can send it on to somebody it can go all over the place and you'll be be sad that it did Nah, we had once you put it out there, it's out there so Just be careful. Just listen to your spirit. Don't listen to your emotions. Your emotions want to respond out of what people said about you, what people did to you, how they made you angry. Don't do it. Now, I'll tell you one thing that's easy to make you angry. When your kids are little, especially, how many of y'all know little kids can get you angry fast? They can just do stuff and it just seems like they're, you know, they're born psychologists. They know how to get into your mind. And you just have to make sure that you, you don't let that happen. Don't play the game with them. I've told you some of the stories I've done with, with, with kids in the past. Uh, not my, my own, just other ones that come along. But you know, sometimes they, uh, they come along, they just ask you a thousand questions. How many get aggravated when they ask you a thousand questions? Question after question after question after question. Well, I don't know if this works with everybody, but for, for a few of them, it, it sure worked out real, real well. Instead of them bombarding me with questions, I bombarded them with questions. I fired question after 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 questioning. Spend our mind around so much they eventually just stop talking. How many get frustrated when people, when the little kids, they ask you a question or stand right in front of you ask you a question to say what? Does that frustrate you? And what do you do? Most times we respond out of our feelings and we get frustrated and we answer them in a frustrated way. Is that right? Is that the good way to do it? You know, you'd, I've i had this with uh, you know some of the kids that would come over to the house. They would do this on a regular basis. They'd stay, I mean just constantly ask you a question, and then you're standing. You're, they're looking at you. You're looking at them. You answer them. What? Well, you know, the first couple of times I'll repeat it, but then after that, I just sat there and looked at them. I said nothing. I just sat there and looked at them. I'm not nasty way. No glaring look. Just just looked at them, and eventually they answered the question, or they they uh, responded on what I answered. They heard me. It's just a, it's just a re- common reaction by them to say, what? What? So you just stop. I didn't say anything. Just sat there and waited. And then eventually they, they responded to the thing I said. You do that enough times. They stop asking, they stop doing the what? Because then all of a sudden it engages. Oh, wait a minute. He's going to sit there and wait for me to answer him. <laughs> I mean, every, every kid's different. You got to find out what is it with, with yours? What is it that goes on with those? There's wise ways of getting around it. I'm not super wise. You don't have to be super wise. We just listen to what the Spirit of God has to say. You ever have one of those kids who comes on up and wants to interrupt you every time you're talking? You ever have, I mean, they, it seems like they all come out of the same mold, doesn't it? We have one of those kids that came all over the house on a regular basis. And I mean, constantly, they thought they were just, the world revolved around them. And you could be talking to someone else and they would come up right in the middle and ask you a question. And if you didn't answer, they'd ask it again. And they'd keep asking the question until you would turn over and, and you, you would answer them. Well, a lot of people would just give in and turn over and answer the person. So this this little one would just keep on going around and doing that. Well, I refused to do that with this one. And I turned over to them and I said, I am speaking to someone right now. I will answer you in a moment. And I turned back and I finished the conversation. I actually sometimes actually slow down the conversation with the other person. I kept talking, but slowed it down a little bit. And uh, when I was thoroughly finished, it, I turn over there. Yes, what is your question? And then they would ask. I only had to do it a few times, and then they stopped interrupting me. When I was asking, they would come over, and they would stand there, and they would wait. And then they would ask the question. When I can, Did you have a question? Yes. <laughs> and they became polite. But you see, if you just respond out of your flesh, will you stop? I'm talking right now. Does how, how much success does that have for you? Not a whole lot, is it? Now, my daughter's watching the little ones. She's over here today. She's watching the little ones and she'll bring them on in and each of the little ones that she has brought on by the house have little quirks about them. I mean, they're all cute and buttons and all, but they all have little quirks. And I've watched how she adjusts to each one of the little quirks and she, she, she'll she do certain things. She won't get angry at them. She won't get frustrated with them. She'll just... She, she has a way that she'll speak to them to get by that quirk and get them past it. Whether they're interrupting her, whether they're not listening... Whatever it might be, not being polite, she has things that she'll do. She doesn't get ra- angry, but they realize, unless I do it this way, Miss Alyssa isn't going to get me the thing I need. <laughs> and see, kids are quick learners. If they don't get what they want the way they're doing it, then they'll go another way. They're quick learners. Don't get frustrated with them. Listen to the Spirit of God. Say, Spirit of God. I need to know how to handle this. I need to know what to do. The Word of God says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives all men just enough. Liberally. (laughs) Liberally. There you go. Liberally. He gives you more than enough. So just ask him, Father God, I don't know how to deal with this one. They're driving me crazy. And I don't want to go there. How should I do it? And the Spirit of God will give you wisdom. You'll be in the midst of that situation and the Spirit of God will give you something to do. He'll tell you, for this one, deal with it this way. Do this. Oh, yeah. And you know what? It may not work the first time. Don't ever go back to God and say, God, that didn't work. I tried it. That didn't work. You got to give me something else. Don't ever, ever do that. If God gives you a way to do it, do it and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again. And you keep doing it that way until God tells you to do it differently. Don't ever come back to him and say, God, that didn't work. Because God's going to be out there and say, Michael, didn't he just ask for some help? Yeah. Did I give him help? Yeah. What's he doing with it? Nothing. God will give you wisdom. It doesn't mean it works on the first time. How many of y'all know if a kid's coming in saying, what, what, what? If you address them the way God says, says to address them the first time, he's going to come back in and say, what? Third time might still come out in there and do it, but you're, you're working to change the behavior. You're working to alter that a little bit. And, and through kindness and through gentleness and through the things that God shows you to do, and you can do that. You know what? It works on coworkers too. It works on coworkers. It works on neighbors. It works on bosses. It works on all of them. God knows how to help people out. I told you this story. I haven't told you in a while, but a long time, long time ago, when I used to work for Kelsters, horseradish. <clears throat> we had a boss, and he did everything. You know, except we we were out there delivering the products, selling the products and making the product, but outside of that he did everything. He ordered every product. He handled all the books. He handled all he did all that sort of stuff. And what would happen was we would run out of product that we were selling, which was a problem for us sales guys, because we get on out there, we're trying to sell the stuff, and then if we run out they go on they buy it from somebody else. And this just isn't working. And those sales guys, we were all getting frustrated. We're not having the product. You know, we went in there for some of this seasoning and it's all gone. It's not there. And But we're in touch with it every single day. We come and we see the pile begin to dwindle. And he's not. He's in the office. He was doing other things. And um, I was getting frustrated. And I handled it the wrong way. I was in there and I was with another salesman. You know, you get two people that are discontented talking. You know what they're going to talk about? The thing they have common that are discontented about. And we did that. We were loading the truck and we were talking about how we don't have this and we don't have that. We don't have this and we don't have that. And the Lord smacked me upside the head and said, What in the world are you doing? I was having, you know, all those personal gripe sessions and complaint sessions and just complaining about stuff. Does it change anything? No, sir. How are you going to change something? Well, we've got to come up with a solution. So I asked the father to, you know, show me a solution for this thing. And so, um, he gave me a way to do it. So I went into the boss's office and I says, look, I says, we're always, we're we're running at times, we're running out of product. You're busy moving the company forward and doing the things you have to do to get the company forward, but we're not having the product. And if we don't have the product, we don't keep the customers happy. We don't keep the customers happy. They go someplace else. So we need to to fix this is uh, uh, how about if I take up making those orders for you and then you don't have to do it. And so he said, well, that might work, except, uh, you know, you don't always know the cash flow about the place. And I said, you know what? You're right. I had no idea about the cash flow or or anything like that. So um, how hey, about if we do this? I'll write up the order and I'll present it to you. And if you like it, you can call it in. He says, well, that that'll work out OK. Alright, so we did it that way for a little while. We, uh, I wrote up the orders, I presented it to him, and, uh, sometimes he would just, we you know what, just call, that's, that's, that's fine, go ahead and call that on in. And I would call that on in, and, when we did that way, it wasn't, didn't take very long. But then after a while, he said, you know what, you're doing, you got a handle on this thing, you're, you're fine, you just go right on ahead and put the orders in. When you see the time isn't right, you just go ahead and put the orders in. And so we got that taken care of. But see, we saw this on the sales end. On the production end, our production manager had the same problem in that we were, he was always running out of cups, lids, glass bottles, boxes or something. But he couldn't order them either because the boss was doing all the, all the ordering. So once he let go of the, of the supplies in there and saw that that worked pretty good, the next thing he did was he went up to the production manager and he turned all the ordering over to him. That was the solution, wasn't it? Sitting around griping, that didn't solve anything it didn't help anybody out. But God has solutions. He has ways for you to come about and to do things. Listen to Him. Have that meek and gentle spirit. Going about it like I was doing. Grumbling and complaining to a co-worker. That's not going to help it, is it? Not going to change anything. There's still no product. There's still nothing to sell. No. you got to listen to the Spirit of God. God, how can we change this thing? What can we do? How can I change my son or my daughter from this kind of response? How can I change what's going on at my company? How can I change my coworkers for the better? How can I help my neighbors to overcome this, this problem over here? And God will give you wisdom, but you won't react out of your feelings, out of your emotions. You're going to react out of principles that he gives you. Listen to his principles. I may not stop my flesh from a wrong feeling, but I will react from principles instead. React from principles. Keep those principles. Oh, I'll tell you what. Put those principles on the inside of you. Like the proverb says, don't let these principles depart from you. Keep them. Keep them right there. Always meditate on them. wisdom. meditate on wisdom. Get wisdom. Get understanding. He teaches them all these things. Make sure that you get those things going on. Well Jesus was a biblical example of this in Mark or Matthew eleven, verse twenty nine and thirty. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. That's the word there. A little different form of it. We have the adverb form instead of the noun form, but same same from the same word. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, I am prayotis. I am this way. I have this about me. Matthew 21, verse 5. Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a fowl of a donkey. Same word there for lowly. Same word. In Matthew 5, he was teaching, Blessed are the meek. Same word again. For they shall inherit the earth. Take a look at Moses as an example. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 through 9. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, if you don't know what that means, it means uh, she was darker skinned than he was. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. So what you have here is that Miriam and Aaron are looking at a situation and they have an emotional response to the marriage of Moses. Now Moses was married before. So either they're having an emotional response. Because he was married. And is now being married again. Or they have an emotional response. To the type of person that he is married. I don't, I'm not going to try and tell you exactly what it is. But they do make note. That she was an Ethiopian woman. So they said. Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Well of course the Lord did. But he's reacting to this one. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Now, that word humble. How many of y'all know that the Old Testament was not written in Greek? So this word could not be the same word, could it? Except for this fact. They translated the entire Old Testament into Greek. It's a book many of y'all know. It's called the Septuagint. And so a lot of times if they want to understand how the Hebrews viewed a certain word, they looked at how they translated it themselves into the Greek. And you can learn a whole lot about the Hebrew word by the Greek word that the writers of the Septuagint picked. And do you know what word they picked when they translated humble? The advert form of And They put that right in there. They used the exact same word that Paul uses to describe the fruit of the Spirit. Moses was more meek and gentle than anyone on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out, and the Lord came down on the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron Aaron, and Miriam. And they both went forward, and he said to hear now my words, Is if there is a prophet among you, I, Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. And I speak to him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. you imagine that? Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And the next part of the story is when Miriam had leprosy. I know Aaron didn't. That's because God likes men better than women. It's proof right there. Miriam got sick. Aaron didn't. They both did the same thing. Obviously, God likes men better than women. No, Aaron was protected by the priestly garb and as soon as that priestly garb was removed from Aaron, Aaron died. You're going back and you look at that over. He was protected by his priestly office. It's the only thing that protected him from the leprosy here. Otherwise, he would have come down with it as well. But he was the high priest. And he was spared because of his office. He was not spared because he was a man, nor was Miriam punished because she was a woman. They both were guilty of the same thing. And God came down and he judged them. And he says, how dare you speak against my servant Moses? What did Moses say? (laughs) You know why? Because the word of God says he was a priotase person. He was a person who didn't speak out of his emotions. He spoke what the word of God said to him. You could come against Moses and Moses didn't get angry with you. But if you came against God or if you came against God's people, Moses got angry. But if he came against Moses, Moses didn't defend himself. He let God do it. And he would just simply say, God, what should I say to these people to help them to get to where they're going? And he didn't have anything to say to Miriam and Aaron when they came and they said these things, but God did. God just says, you know what, Moses... You stand aside on this one. You've defended me before. I'm going to defend you here on this one. This isn't going on. Moses doesn't respond out of his emotion, but that could get some people up emotionally, couldn't it? But he doesn't respond that way. He lets God do the responding. Oh, I didn't put this in your outline, but it's, it's there when the, so the Septuagint uses this in verse 3. He uses the same word. It's the word praos, just the adverb form of prayotes. Now, why are Aaron and Miriam not afraid to speak against Moses? Probably because Moses had never done anything to him before. He's got a staff, but he never hit him with it. (laughs) And so they felt like, well, we can just come on up and say this about him because Moses isn't going to hit us upside the head or or anything like that. But apparently God did. And God says, why are you not afraid to speak against this guy? Don't you see what I do with him? Well, we want to take a look at some, spend some time here on this other one, self-control. This comes from the... Greek word, and it's actually a, a, a two-part for it. It comes from the Greek word en, and the Greek word kratos, which means power. In and power. You combine the words, you get this, power over one's self. Power over oneself. In Acts chapter 24, verse 24. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, He sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, what is Paul discussing with him? Faith in Christ. I want you to get this before we go on to the next verse. I want you to have in your mind, if someone were to call upon you and say, I want you to have a discussion with us about faith in Christ. What is faith in Christ? I want you to have a discussion with us about faith in Christ. I want you to begin to right now formulate some things. What would you begin to say? Where would you go? What would you talk about? If you were to come, as Paul was, and asked to talk about your faith in Christ, what would you discuss? Now, let's go on to the next verse. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. The word there, self-control, is the exact same word. Now, let me ask you this. If you are going to discuss, defend your faith in Jesus Christ... How many of you would talk about righteousness? Oh, come on. Isn't the gospel all about us being righteous? How God made us righteous? Wouldn't you talk about righteousness? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Wouldn't we talk about that? Wouldn't we talk about how we've been made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ? Isn't that righteousness? Wouldn't we talk about how we put on His robe of righteousness, not our own? Wouldn't we talk about that? Sure, at least I would. I hope you would. I would talk about that. Self-control and the judgment to come. How many of you would talk about the judgment that is coming? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? That's one of the first things we get to. Judgment's coming. Tribulation time is coming. The world's going to be judged. God is going to judge the world. I don't want you to be judged. I want you to get on under this good side. I want you to be on the right side when the judgment comes. How many of you are going to be talking about that? Have already talked about that? We're going to talk about the righteousness of God. We're going to talk about the judgment of God. How many of you are talking about self-control? you got three things to talk about. How many of you can think of something else besides self-control? <laughs> come on now, be honest. I know I could. I think I can think of ten more things before I get down to self-control. How about faith? How about overcoming this world? How about the power of love? We could. We could. I. I can come up with some other things beside that. But Paul, he's coming before bigwig, and he he writes in the word. This is what I'm going to, I'm going to come in here and talk about my faith in Christ. I'm going to talk about righteousness, self control, and the judgment to come. Whew. What is self control? What is this that he is talking about? Well, it, we put this in there. In the, in and power, the power over oneself. The power over oneself. Now, the world does not understand this. The world does not understand power. Over oneself. The world operates differently. The world doesn't empower you to defeat the things that are in you. The world teaches you to seal off. Compartmentalize. Count to ten. Get to a safe place and then express what it is that you feel, right? Aren't these the things that the that the, the world teaches us? I put this in your outline. The world's way is not power over itself. It is to keep it caged up. And we know often that fails, right? <laughs> How many of you have ever had a dog that continually was disobedient when you were gone from the house? Ever had that? Maybe a cat? Something like that? Just always disobedient when you left the house. As soon as you left the house, they did stuff. We were having that discussion yesterday about a dog my uh, wife's mother had ate the sofa... How's a dog eat a sofa? I don't know. Two sofa. two sofas, she's saying. Two, two, two sofas. You know, after the first one, I think that's it. Now some of you might shoot the dog. No more problem. But, but if not, how many of you would therefore go out and find a cage or a room in which you could lock the dog up? Because if the dog is not, is going to be out of control, then the thing to do is lock it up. Have you solved the problem? No! The problem exists, but you're not aware of it anymore because it doesn't come up. You know, if you have them in that cage, they can beat that cage all they want. You can buy a new one. No big deal. Maybe you got a good yard with a good fence around. You put them outside. Have at it. We, we cage them up. How many of you have ever been to the zoo? You know, there's some animals, animals that get out there and, and you can touch them. There are other ones that you can't get anywhere near. Why is that? Because they can't be trusted. They're not controlled. And they cage them up. Have they ever gotten out? What happens when they get out? Bad stuff. Bad stuff. Caging something up. is a temporary fix, but it doesn't solve the problem, does it? See, God, God's solution is not to cage up your flesh. God's solution is to change you and so it is such an incredibly powerful thing that Paul when he selects three things to discuss with Felix he says righteousness self-control and the judgment to come because Paul is fascinated about how the Spirit of God can come in and change me so that I don't do those things anymore this is this is incredibly powerful No one has ever been able to have the power over themselves, But when you get born again and the Spirit of God comes on the inside of you, you have power over yourself. And he is so excited about this that he puts it right up there with righteousness and the judgment to come that you have power over yourself. That, to me, is a very telling thing about this word. That is the power and control over what the flesh wants. I don't stop what the flesh wants. Just because my flesh wants to doesn't mean that I will allow it. Understand, I don't have the power to change the nature of the flesh so it doesn't want it anymore. But I have the power to stop me from responding to it. I have the power over myself. I no longer respond because it's my flesh to do. Uh -uh. I have the power over that. Now, we went over these things quickly before... We showed how these two words were similar. We're going to show how these things are. are just sli- slightly different. There was an experiment one time. It was on TV. Uh, they brought a bunch of children into a room. It was an experiment on self-control. And they were told that they could have a single treat. Like a cookie. And they put the cookie right in front of them. Had them all sitting around the table. Put the cookie right in front of them. You can have this cookie right now. Or, if you wait till I get back... I'll give you two. You can have this cookie right now or if you wait until I get back, I'll give you two. I'll be back you know, in 20 or 30 minutes. It's up to you. You can do whatever you want. There's no wrong cho- choice here. Whatever you want to do. If you want the one now, have the one now. If you want to wait, you'll get two later. And so they, they had the video cameras going in the room and they were watching the kids in the room What they see what they would do. And some of the kids, they would jump on in and they ate the cookie right away. Gone. But some of the other ones, they decided to wait and they did all kinds of things to entertain themselves. They were singing songs. They were covering their eyes. I don't see the cookie. They did dances. They did all kinds of things to distract them. They still came back and, you know, there's that cookie. It's still sitting there. But a number of the kids in the room, they held out. And when they, he came back twenty minutes later, he came back into the room, and he gave the kids who waited it, the extra cookie, and they got to eat two. the other ones only got to eat one and Then they took those kids and they followed them through their life and They found this: those who endured to the end received and to receive the two cookie award, they found that the children who were able to forego the instant gratification kept the same temperament throughout their adolescence. but the more impulsive kids who grabbed the cookie were more likely to be stubborn indecisive and stressed. You know what? Even the world realizes that if you have the power over yourself, it's better. It's an influential thing for your life. Here's the difference between the two. The gentle, meek person has control over his attitudes. A gentle, meek person has control over his attitudes. I gave you this part before. We're just giving it to you again. I don't think I had it in your outline before. But a gentle and meek person has control over their attitudes. But just because their flesh has a reaction doesn't mean that they have that attitude that comes from it. Just because a person hates me doesn't mean I'm going to hate them back. Just because a person says something to me that stirs up my emotion doesn't mean I'm going to say something back to them that's just as hurtful. They have a gentle or meek person has control over their attitudes. A self-controlled person has a power over their appetites, their physical urges and desires. A self-controlled person has power over their appetites, physical urges, and desires. The one is looking more toward the emotional side. The other one is is more to the urges and the needs of the flesh. Just as a meek individual can control his attitude, a person with temperance has power over his appetites. Physical urges, those things you're passionate about, those things that you desire. The Holy Spirit, folks, is out there to produce this in us, this self-controlled, this gentle, meek spirit in us. That's what he's out there to do. A person who's in this way, you're in a life of moderation. You're in your life of self-control. And don't go looking around the room. You cannot tell from the outward signs who is, is moderate on certain things. You know, sometimes when I say, well, physical attributes, physical you know, people that overeat, well, they always or over, overweight. And that's not true. I know some people that are overweight that eat less than I do. doesn't mean anything about that at all. You cannot look at the outward and tell how a person is doing on that area. And beside that, remind me again, because I, I think I forgot. who is the pruner? God was, that's right. That isn't our role, is it? No, it's not. Don't go around there doing that sort of stuff. Let God be the pruner. And you be the branch. Be a good branch, but you be a branch. You be a fruit-bearing branch, and you bear fruit. Don't be content to cage up attitudes and actions. Don't settle for that. God wants to change how you respond. He wants you to be able to stand there in the midst of someone who is verbally reaming you up one side down the other and smile. And behold the time. Listen, Father God, what would you like me to say here? Father God, is there anything for me to say? And if the Father doesn't say anything for you to say, then you don't say a word. Even though your flesh is going to to town, it's coming up with all kinds of things you could say. But in your spirit, nothing's coming. Nah, nothing's coming. You hang on to that. That's what God wants to, to make you. You have decided to yield to a different one, a different power. I'll let God do that with you. God wants to change you. Because when a branch is first put on the vine, folks, how much fruit do they bear? Nothing. You got to be part of the vine. You got to let the vine become part of you, change your nature, then you begin to produce fruit. And the Father says, "Ah, this is good. This is good." Don't be content with wooden fruit, wooden pieces of fruit, or pictures of fruit, or caging up attitudes and actions and passing that off as fruit. Don't be doing that. Let God change you on the inside. And if you messed up, and if you said some things you shouldn't have said out of your flesh, go over to that person and say, you know what, I said stuff out of my flesh, I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me for that. Don't sit there and say, well, now you need to you know, ask me to forgive you <laughs> for all the things you said. No, don't do that. Don't do it. Just let God change you on the inside. Two words. Enkratas and prayotes. Both are at your disposal. You are part of the branch. This is fruit that is inside of you. Before we close up on this, I want to ask you this one question. Is there anything in this verse of Scripture in Galatians chapter 22, 5, or chapter 5, 22 and 23, is there anything in that Scripture that says that some of us are going to bear joy and some of us are going to bear peace. And some of us are going to bear gentleness. And some of us will bear meekness. Is there anything in there about that? No. no. What do you do when you bear fruit? It's the whole thing. The whole package is there for you. It's not part of the package that's there available for you. The whole thing. When you look at that verse of Scripture, you're not saying, well, a couple of these things. are work. No. The whole thing is there for you. You can walk in the whole thing. And don't ever look at this and say, no, you just don't know who I am. You don't know what I've come through. You don't know. don't matter. I know who the vine is. It doesn't matter who the branch was because the branch will lose its identity in the vine if they yield to the vine dresser. Would you all stand up with me? Father God, we just thank You. You are such a great God. You can take us from where we were and make us into something we never dreamed we could be. We've so often let situations change us. We've let the tail wag us as it is. But that's not the way that is made. Our emotions, our feelings, they're not supposed to rule us. You are. And even though they may have ruled us in the past, and even though maybe even yesterday, we got all upset and reacted the way that we shouldn't have. It doesn't matter. You've called us to be fruit-bearing branches. And if we yield to the pruning, if we yield to what it is that the Father has to do, then these fruits will come out on us. And we can look back and say, Wow! Have I ever changed? I never used to respond like this before. I never had joy and peace the love of God was never a part of me the way it is now. I wasn't a meek and gentle person. I wasn't self-control or long-suffering. Kindness and goodness, they weren't really part of me. But oh, I look back and I look at what you've done. Wow, what a God. Father, you desire to change us, to make us into these things. You want us to be fruit-bearing. And there's not a single branch attached to your vine they cannot bear fruit. Every single one of us can. Every single one. Father, I thank you for the great love that you have for us and the help that you give us to win and to overcome. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.